Hello and welcome. We are the Ladies of Strange. I'm Ashley. I'm Tiffany. And I'm Rebecca. Thank you for joining us each week as we discuss the history, mystery, and theory of all things questionable, odd, and eerie. Hey. Motherfucker. Oh. So Hagrid comes in, being all nice, gets me another little fizzy, bubbly seltzer thing, offers to pour me a shot of fireball, takes care of me, look up, he left the cabinet open. (laughs) (laughs) You can't have nice things. (laughs) That's what that lag was when I didn't say my second line of the intro. Was you just staring at the cabinet? Yes. (laughs) Oh, I love it. I'm so glad I'm not married. How are we? How are things? <laughs> My cabinets are closed. Mine too. Lucky you. You both suck. <laughs> I'm going to power through and stop looking up and it'll be fine. Do we need a pause for you to close it? Yes. <laughs> pause music. Okay. Back. <laughs> Welcome back. Thank you. Hello, friends. Do you feel better? Very much so. Good. Well, let me um, make sure you continue to feel good. That's ominous. Yeah. I don't think this is going to make you feel bad. It's just weird. So no evil Weaselton? No evil Weaselton. (laughs) Evil Weaselton? The evil weasels of... Of Overton. Yes. I like evil Weaselton. Evil (laughs) Weaselton. Let me finish this shot and we'll get started. So if you were to come home and say, Ashley, you were to walk home or walk in your door and you saw James, but you knew it wasn't James, you knew it was an imposter, like it looked exactly like him, sounded like him, he knew everything about you two, but you just knew in your heart it was an imposter. Because all the cabinets are closed. Because he closes cabinets. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if that were the case, you would be suffering from Copgras syndrome. Excuse me, what? (laughs) So Copgras syndrome is a delusional misidentification syndrome where you see people and you know it's them on a cognitive level, but you also know that they've been replaced by an imposter. Like, for example, one lady, she believed that her nine-year-old daughter had been seized by defects and that her husband had been killed and they've both been replaced by imposters. Okay, so these people are not actually imposters. Imposters, but you've got some sort of psychosis that makes you like 100% believe that. Absolutely. I was very confused where this was going for a second. (laughs) Oh, by the way, James is an imposter. No, he's not because the cabinet was open. (laughs) But he did offer to get me a shot and a refill. Hmm. Right? Again, I'm I'm telling you, he wants to get lucky. Keep on one. So it's an irrational belief. Sometimes it is also pets or inanimate objects that are imposters. <gasps> no, I like my pet. Right? It was named after Joseph Copgras, a French psychiatrist. And in 1923, he and a colleague wrote a paper about Madame M. Is it Madame Marmalade? Oh, it could have been been. So Miss M, their original claim to Copra syndrome, actually does not have what we now consider to be Copra syndrome because she believed that many people had been uh, replaced with imposters and some she didn't even know. And Copra is typically somebody very close to you. And it's only one, maybe two. So the original case study was done in 1923 on Madame M. 
But Madame M doesn't have what we typically associate with Capgras now because she believed that most of the society around her had been replaced with imposters. Typically, Capgras is one, I guess maybe two, who are really close to you. So the definition of Capgras has evolved over time, as do most prognosis. Thank you. Syndromes. Prognosis? Wouldn't it be a diagnosis? Yeah, but you know, I was trying for, I reached for a big word and I reached for the wrong one, but hey, I tried. So let me tell you about a couple cases real quick. There was one gentleman who his parents were imposters in his mind. And when he would talk to them on the phone. <laughs> were they all sus? They were all very <laughs> sus. Ay, ay, ay. There's an imposter among us. It's all of them. <laughs> yes. Whenever he would talk to them on the phone, though, he knew it was them. So. Okay. The disconnect for him was between seeing them and having that emotional connection. Like whenever I see Ashley, I'm like, oh, this is the girl that I love dearly who I played Barbies with until far too late in life. And, you know, we would make homemade cigarettes and sit on her roof and smoke tea leaves out of notebook paper. And it was terrible. That's a lot of thoughts to go through your head when you see me. I'm sorry. It's true. But with this disorder or this uh, delusion, I would see you and I'd be like, okay, that is what Ashley looks like. But I'm feeling none of those feelings that I normally feel. And I'm not getting that, that like emotional connection. So it has to be an imposter. Euphoric. Yeah. What rude. <laughs> Ouch. So, so um, some believe that the disconnect for the syndrome is a visual like the visual is there, but the emotional is not. Another case, the mother believed her daughter had been removed by Child Protective Services and replaced with an imposter. While she was not physical against her daughter, it became such an issue that Child Protective Services had to step in and remove the child from her care. And I read somewhere that the daughter, when asked about it, she was like, I love my mom dearly, but it hurt when she didn't recognize me. So it's for the best, which kind of broke my heart. There was a 59-year-old man who had a bunch of symptoms going on, but he would look at his wife and he knew it was a double. So he would spend most of his time looking for his, quote, real wife. That probably went over well. Right? That's what I was thinking. See, we've got a 69-year-old retired secretary who lived alone. She was previously diagnosed with bipolar affective disorder and... She was checked into a clinic and she believed that the staff were locking patients on the ward without food or water. And then the patients would then eat each other. Ah, wait, what? Wait, hold on. That sounds like a different thing altogether. So she believed that the staff that she was seeing were replaced with doubles Uh. and the doubles were doing this. So this case, she is a unique feature when it comes to Copra syndrome. She has Copra syndrome of time. So she believes that time is the illusion. illusion. Yes. So whenever people would ask about this and be like, hey, look, here's evidence that this is not happening in this ward. She would say that the ward was stuck in a time warp and the rest of the world was in the future and was already destroyed. Well, that escalated quickly. So one thing you will find with Copgris syndrome is most cases, it is a psychosis. So you already have like schizophrenia or um, bipolar affective disorder, any kind of thing like that. 
there are some cases where it is from a brain injury, and they've notated that it looks like most cases come from frontal lobe damage. Oh, no. I wonder if people who had lobotomies suffered from that. I feel like a lot of the things we've discussed that are like medical oddities involve frontal lobe damage, which makes me like really want to protect my forehead. And you guys, I got a big one. So like as I sit here with a massive knot on the top of my head from headbutting my rather my child headbutting me. (laughs) I'm fine. Let's see. Miss A was a 45 year old woman who went into the ER after she assaulted her husband. She said that her husband was not really him like he'd been replaced and that her neighbors had keys to her houses and they had raped her and wanted to kill her. Oh, okay. That that escalated. Mm-hmm. She also believed that the teenage son, her teenage son, had been murdered, and the two males living in her home were strangers. They were not. When she went in, she um, initially refused food and medication because she believed somebody was trying to poison her. But um, within a few days, she started eating and was able to take some medicine. And then she was poisoned and died. No. <laughs> <laughs> No, the medicine helped clear up her delusions. So a lot of the treatments I saw on this were treating the psychosis and it helped with the cop grows. There are some where you live with that for the rest of your life that I read about, which was really sad. Could you imagine like thinking that everybody in your life had been replaced? I can't. Do you think that it would like continuously happen? So like if you have the psychosis and you think that everybody that's close to you has been replaced. So like I would imagine in most situations that kind of like tears families apart. apart. Yeah. I feel like it'd be the Truman show. Like right at the point where he's discovering it's a show. I don't remember that movie. I think I remember the gener- the gist of it, but it's been a while. The one with Jim Carrey where he's basically a guy in a reality TV show, but he's the only one not in on it. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. But see, like, the thing about it is it's usually just, like, one person. Occasionally, you've got a couple. But what I've read on it, you are completely rational in every other aspect. It's just this one stick that you have that's like this is my life is exactly the same but Matthew's been replaced with an imposter and they said that therapy can help with this but it is I can't remember the exact word but it's I think like reassurance therapy where you put yourself in the place of the patient and say okay this is an imposter how do we move past this like how do we deal with life living with an imposter and it does break up a lot of families well I say a lot this is very rare I think there were a hundred and I want to say it was like a hundred and eighty cases documented since nineteen twenty. What did you say? It was called reassurance therapy. It, reassurance therapy isn't the right one. Uh, let me because I could use some reassurance therapy in my life. Like, girl, you're fine. You got this. I believe. Maybe I just need therapy. <laughs> you absolutely do. Not in a bad way, but yes. No. Um positive welcoming environment where the person affected by the syndrome feels safe uh validation therapy that's what it was uh, I, same my point still stands <laughs> so it's a really really weird case and it's very rare so it is classified as a delusional misidentification syndrome there are four main variants of delusional misidentification syndrome so Kopkers is the most common. It is the opposite of Fregoli delusion, which is one of the four types. Fregoli delusion, it's a delusion where you meet strangers 
and you believe they're all the same person in disguise. Ugh. So you could like go to the post office and the person behind the counter, you'd be like, ooh, I see you. And I've never met you, but I really know you're my dad in disguise. Ew, your dad following you at all the time? Well, the only cases I read on it, it was people they knew, but I don't believe it's strictly that. So it's like anybody that they don't know. They think is the same person in disguise. <sighs> that freaky? I, think, I, feel like, I feel like that would bother me more for some reason than the imposter syndrome. I don't know. Like to think that there's one person that's just constantly following me around. It's like the Carbonaro effect. The Carbonaro effect? <laughs> the what? <laughs> He's a magician on TV. <laughs> I thought you were talking about a restaurant. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> the Carabas effect. Yeah, Ooh, I want some Carabas real bad. <laughs> real bad. Dude, our, our post-vaccine, post-quarantine bucket list is going to be epic. Y'all just wait. Oh, Carabas. Okay, so for goalie delusion, <laughs> I'd allow it in uh, Carabas. <laughs> Your dad can be in disguise in Carabas. Uh, we've all met large male Tiffany. That would not happen. <laughs> what, him being able to disguise himself? Yeah. Fair. Inner metamorphosis. Okay, Did wait. Did I are say we that right? Caterpillars now? Well, I mean, kind of. Inner metamorphosis is... So I've read it a couple different ways. One is like with Alzheimer's. They see someone and they know that... Or they would see like... Say you saw Hagrid. You would see him, but you would see your brother. Or your dad. Oh, why? Why? Why did you have to pick those comparisons? <laughs> All right, sorry. You would see your brother. You would talk to your brother, but you would see your dad. So there's that one, which is related to Alzheimer's and dementia. But you can also have cases where people transform in front of you. So it's the belief that an individual has the ability to take form of another person in both external appearance and internal personality. There was one case I was reading where it was for a patient who had schizophrenia. A 40-year-old married woman, she believed that her husband would transform into a demon as she was staring at him. His appearance would become darker and he'd have peculiar facial expressions and act as if he were trying to harm her. She wouldn't see anything else different, but she was sure that her husband had become a demon. She also believed that strangers in her neighborhood were actually the same person who she had known 20 years earlier, appearing in disguise trying to harm her family. That does not sound like fun. No. I'm going to pass on that one. So let's go to another delusional misidentification syndrome. Subjective double. It's a belief that there's a doppelganger or a double of yourself carrying out independent actions of you. Oh, hold, on, hold on. So you think that there's a what? There's a doppelganger of you mm-hmm. carrying out actions like on your behalf? Like people think that you're the same person? Yes. So um, Mrs. B is a 50-year-old white married homemaker and mother of five children. She had previously been hospitalized for psychiatric reasons. She believed that there was another Mrs. B who existed and replaced herself in her husband's affections. So she thought that her husband was cheating on her with another Mrs. B. The same person, a doppelganger. Okay. So while she was in the hospital? Uh, No, just in life. Like regular day-to-day she believed there was another Mrs. B that when she wasn't around was with her husband. Did she ever like ask her husband? Like, what did we do today? I didn't read anything about that. But once she was 
in the hospital, she reported that she had seen the other Mrs. B. The other Mrs. B was a patient in the unit who looked exactly like her facially, but was heavier in the body. The person she was pointing out was a younger patient who was pregnant, and she was just like superimposing this illusion on her. wonder if that has something to do with the people who believe that everybody has a doppelganger. Well, I believe everybody has a doppelganger, but I don't believe that I that my doppelganger is chilling with Matthew when I'm not home. I don't think Matthew would have that. He'd be like, no, bitch. Do me a favor. <laughs> Do me a favor and ask him his opinion on that. I'm curious. Right? <laughs> How would you feel if there was an exact replica of me that came in when I wasn't here? Oh, God. <laughs> it would drive him bonkers. He has enough of me already. Exactly. <laughs> what would drive him bonkers? The scenario or the question? <laughs> the scenario. <laughs> the question would just get an eye roll or two. Mm-hmm. But the actual thought process behind that would drive him bonkers. Ugh. I think that would drive a lot of people bonkers. I'm a lot to handle and people know when to like distance themselves from me. I don't think they would hang out with another me when I'm not around. <laughs> eh, speak for some people. Some of us may. Because, you know, when you flake, when you make plans <laughs> and you decide last minute, like, no, I'm not going to go. I'm like, it's okay. I got <laughs> Tiffany number two. She'll come with me. <laughs> Except him, Finney with number one would become so jealous. Exactly. And then she would start committing <laughs> to plans. No, she still wouldn't. And then she'd still be jealous. It's fine. I'd be oh. taken care of. So that's all that would matter. I like this one. <laughs> okay, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> There's reverse subjective doubles. So a 40-year-old divorced male was hospitalized for complaints that his identity had changed in the last six years. He stated that he was not Mr. A, but Mr. B, and preferred to be called by that name. When asked to describe Mr. B, he replied that the only thing he remembered was that Mr. B was an orphan and had made his fortune by working hard. He denied that Mr. B had any family members, and he would get angry when addressed as Mr. A, and he would insist on being called Mr. B. He believed that he had been changed both physically, like face and fingerprints, and psychologically. And he could recount details as his life from Mr. A, but not as Mr. B. So instead of believing there's a doppelganger out there, he believed he was the doppelganger. So he thought Mr. B... No, he believed he was Mr. B, who was the doppelganger of Mr. A? Yes. Everybody was like, oh, no, you're Adam. He's like, no, I'm Brian. This is like... I was an orphan. I don't have any family members. He could tell you about Mr. Adam's life, but he insisted that his identity changed within the past six years and he was Brian and not Adam. Okay. You do you, boo-boo. Now, one that I thought was really cool that's a similar delusional belief, but it's not one of the main four delusional misidentification syndromes is Cotard delusion. Have either of you heard about that? I have not. Okay, this one's fun. Okay, so Cotard syndrome is pretty rare. It was first described by Dr. Jules Cotard in 1882. And it is the belief that you've either lost organs, blood, or body parts, or that you are dead. Wait, pause. Time out. <laughs> so <laughs> you think that you, yourself, mm -hmm. are dead. Yes. So you think you're a ghost. No, they think, so they're walking and talking, but they know they're dead. They believe they're petrifying and that they don't have a heartbeat and like they're slowly going to just decompose. Do, do they not th know there's ways to check that? Like a pulse? 
a mirror. So you can tell them this, but it's not going to make any sense because they know that they're dead. Like you can show them your pulse and they're like, uh, no, sorry, you're playing a trick on me. I'm dead. Okay. A lot of times I say a lot, but again, this is really rare. It's hard to study these things because it's so rare and it's not even listed in the DSM, Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. So these aren't listed in that because they're so rare and don't really know much about it. But so with... Cotard delusion. There was one where in January of 1990, there was a gentleman who was released from the hospital in Edinburgh. His mother took him to South Africa and he was convinced he had been taken to hell. And he was convinced he had died of sepsis or perhaps from AIDS. Those are two very different things. Well, he had read a story about someone who with AIDS who had died from sepsis. So he believed that he either died of sepsis AIDS or an overdose of a yellow fever injection. And he thought he had, quote, borrowed his mother's spirit to show him around hell and that she was asleep in Scotland. Wow. Cool, huh? Seems very um, scary and a bit dramatic. Um, It does seem scary, but it's just kind of what it is. Like, they're okay with it. They're, well, maybe not okay with it. I was about to say, I, I doubt that. It doesn't seem like something that they're like, oh my god, I'm dead, what's wrong? Like, my life is over. Because they think they're dead. But it Um, is. Your life would be over if you were dead. Yeah, there are cases where people have died of self-starvation because they believe they don't need to eat since they're dead. But don't you get hungry? Like, your body would still be processing things like normal. You would still have that feeling of hunger, I would imagine. If your brain is telling you you're dead, your brain can easily tell you you're not hungry. The brain is a really weird, weird place. Then why does my brain not tell me I'm always hungry? Because you don't have Cotard syndrome? Is it because I'm so alive? Yes. You're so (laughs) full of life. People often isolate themselves from others when they have this because they refuse to take care of personal hygiene because they're dead in their mind. The smell can get to be a lot. And so people kind of stay away. Yeah, of course they stink. They're dead. This is often prevalent with uh, nihilistic delusions where everything is coming to an end and everything's just over and falling apart. There was one gentleman, Mr. B, who was a 65-year-old retired teacher, had no previous mental illness. He had Cotard syndrome and he um, attempted suicide a couple times, but he was stopped and walked in on and they saved him. But in his suicide notes, he mentioned that he was doing it because he feared spreading deadly infection to the villagers who might be around him. He said that he was dead, so he wouldn't eat anything and ended up losing a lot of weight. I believe... I believe he ended up recovering. Yes, he ended up being convinced that he was alive. They ended up putting him on medicine to address psychosis and his symptoms resolved over seven weeks and he maintained improvement after discharge. What I'm curious, the treatment plan for that, like what would you give someone to make them believe that they were not dead? It was... Uh, successfully treated with bilateral modified electroconvulsive treatment. Shock therapy. Mm-hmm. Using thiopentin for induction and sesiliquiline for muscle relaxation. He was given that three times a week 
and received nine treatments. He was treated with escitalopram, 15 milligrams a day, and olanzapine, 10 milligrams a day. And that is what they did to help resolve this issue. I don't know what any of those medicines do. (laughs) All I got out of that was shock therapy and a muscle relaxer. I mean, I know somebody whose husband is going through shock therapy right now. Interesting. So with Cotard syndrome, thankfully, that one tends to be more treatable and have more of a positive outcome. Because once they uh, give the medicine or do their treatments, they're like, oh, hey, I guess I'm not dead. Cool. (laughs) And they move on with their life. I'm alive. Another one that I have not looked into, but it's considered a delusional misidentification syndrome is syndrome of delusional companions. It's the belief that objects such as soft toys are sentient beings. And I can tell you for a fact, until I was like 13 years old, I was like, I wouldn't put my toys away too harshly because I was afraid I was hurting them. Yeah. And if ever I chose one stuffed animal over another to sleep with, I would like go apologize to the others and promise them that I would rotate them out. (laughs) Yeah. That's cute. Isn't it? I mean, is that kind of like having imaginary friends? I don't know. So... This is what I've spent my the past two days looking at is these misidentification syndromes. And it made me realize that there were a lot of things I did as a kid that might be considered these like weird delusions. But I maybe that's just part of childhood and like you grow out of them like the, uh, the <laughs> stuffed animal thing. But I also used to believe that I was the only real person and everyone else yes! was just like God's test to make sure I was making the right choices. Girl, I still have moments like that. Okay. Uh, There's this whole main character thing going on right now where it's like, you're the main character of the world and I'm going to screw it up. But it's like, what's your main character moment? And there's been so many times (laughs) where the thought has crossed my mind where I'm like, I'm the main character. Yeah. No, I definitely thought the same thing growing up. Okay, cool, like, cool. Nobody else is real. This is all the test. Right? Like, I distinctly remember my mom was getting on to me for something that I deserve to be got on for. But I was, like, watching her get on to me. And I was like, Tiffany, pay attention. God's watching you to see how you react. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> you can't be zoning out like this. You need to act like you're upset by this. <laughs> As you go down the rabbit hole of wondering why God is testing you. Yeah, yeah. So fun stuff. But delusion, man, it's crazy. And there were a couple that were like, most of these come with dementia or Alzheimer's or uh, previous psychosis or schizophrenia. And then I was like, and occasionally from excessive drug use. It's like, yeah, that's the only delusional I've ever heard of until Hmm. this. Is the drug use? Yeah. Excessive drug use putting you into a state of delusion and like hallucinations. Yeah. Oh, and one more thing just to like irritate you guys. When this was first or when uh, we're going to go back to Cop Gras, when it was first discovered or documented, they had a couple different theories. First, they believed it was purely a female disorder and it was just a symptom of hysteria, which it is more prevalent in females, but there's so few numbers that that's not really a good statistic. It's just... I don't know if you grab a bag of M&Ms, there's going to be one that one color that's more prevalent. It doesn't mean that. Right. Yeah. I'm glad you caught on to what I was saying there because no, I as I was saying, saying it, I was like, that's not a good one. <laughs> no, it is. If you take a sample size, just a random sample size, something is going to stand out more 
than the other. They originally thought it to be kind of a Freudian thing too, like an Oedipus complex, but that was quickly debunked. That, that, no. So like if you thought your parents were imposters, they were like, oh, maybe it's because you have this like unresolved sexual tension towards your father. So you yeah. put up this barrier so that it makes it more okay in your mind. But that was quickly debunked. Okay, they were like, good. oh, wait, Freud is, Freud is a little, little off with that. <laughs> Why couldn't it just be like, maybe you're the imposter? <laughs> maybe. No. You know, there's still not much no. knowledge on this stuff, so that could be that could be the thing. You should write a paper on it and submit it. Okay. To where? To Google.com? Science.com. Rebecca, you're smart. Here's my blog on you being an imposter. Can we send this to science.com? Rebecca, email this off to science.com as she <laughs> trash bins it immediately. Rebecca, we need to send this to the Smithsonian. I've had a breakthrough. <laughs> I put it in a special filing cabinet. Thank you. <laughs> like from the it's office? Yeah. It's called statics and Tiffany and, and Ashley's <laughs> asinine theories. <laughs> yep, precisely. So um, that is what I've got for you on, what is that called? One moment. On delusional misidentification <laughs> syndromes. <laughs> Smooth. Thanks. That was fascinating. Thanks. I really enjoyed looking this stuff up. It, have you been playing Among Us? I have not. I don't do video games. They make me angry. Oh. Yeah. But I have been reading a lot of books lately. None of them involving this. Although as I was going through this, I was like, man, this would make for a really good story. And mm-hmm. like... My whole family was replaced. There are some movies like that, and I'm sure books, but um, in those, they were actually imposters, so it's not like as scientifically factual. Hey, so maybe instead of trying to submit a paper to science.com, you <laughs> should write a fiction story about it. Yes, let's do it. I said you. Oh. <laughs> Okay. Oh, when we do our book month on Sage and Tales, you can write a book. Didn't I send you my uh, horoscope where it was like, you're really needy and avoid responsibility. I love this idea and I would love for you to take over. That'd be great. (laughs) That would be awesome. You should do that for me. So anyway, on that note. (laughs) Remember, friends, everyone has something that they find odd. Let us tell you why it's not. If you have any questionable topics you'd like us to discuss, you can share them with us on any of our social medias. Links can be found on our website, theladiesestrange.com, or you can email them to us at theladiesestrange at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you think we're doing a great job and want to support the show, please tell your friends about us and subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, Keep it strange, lovelies, and, you know, go write a book for me. Who's to say we're the real ladies of strange? (gasps) Bye, guys. (laughs) Oh, <laughs>